Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Robin Hood. <laughs> Robin Hood bull. I'm serious, man. So we were just... Although if I'm going to be Robin Hood, I probably shouldn't have told everybody I was right, going to be Right, Robin. yeah. That'll, just that's forget, illegal. I didn't really mean that Robin Hood thing. I'm not really going to be Robin Hood. So... But if any of you, as we said before, if any of you are looking to, I don't know, leave everything and hide out in the woods and rob rich people and give to the poor, uh, send, me a, send me a little text message. What's interesting that and like the... What, 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 the Contras, what were, which were the Marxists, the Sandinistas? Sandinistas. Sandinistas. It could be a Sandinista. <clears throat> I like Sandino. Sandinistas, not so much. I'd rather the original be, Sandino. I'd rather be a fashionista than a Sandinista <laughs> any day of the week. <laughs> and remember, there's no sin in being poor, only in dressing poorly. There we go. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, speaking of Sandinista, I'm, you know, speaking of Bruce Coburn, if I had a rocket launcher, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's the next move. That will be legal. <laughs> you, you know, with the tax plan, you won't be able to afford it. <laughs> but, but if you could, that's going to be yeah. Good. Yep. No. So that's good. There's a lot of good stuff going on. And Reynolds Shook is watching. Hi, and, Reynolds. And in beautiful Alabama. Yeah. So yeah, Reynolds is living through. By the way, did you hear that the president? I heard this. Is, he's doing a rally in Pensacola. Pensacola. Which, by the way, I will post on uh, in the show. I have a picture of me at Pensacola Christian College at the at the uh, at the uh, the entryway sign, which my wife has spent a year there. Hmm. Isn't that the place where they interpret First Timothy, meaning that you can harass women? Is that pretty much how they went with that? Yeah. They, they, our friend David Babico uh, says it's a prison camp for Christians. <laughs> it's a concentration camp. Well, I used to say that as a kid, I went to Bible concentration yeah, camp. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I learned the Bible. I learned the Bible. The best part of uh, Boardwalk Empire was that scene where they take over the Methodist. Oh, right. <laughs> well, what about Bible camp? Bible camp. Is canceled. <laughs> he was the best villain. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. What is? What are we seeing? What's the word from um, Alabama? What is Reynolds telling us? No one wants to be on the podcast. Well, <laughs> Roy wants to be on the podcast. She said, "Oh, uh, Roy. Roy wouldn't Roy want to? Be? Roy would probably. Well, yeah. I, yep. mean, I, I would have Roy on the podcast if he would wear that little outfit with the little gun, the little leather. If he brings his little gun. This is that's the most village person outfit I've ever seen. <laughs> I said that that one that would my 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 ninety year old great aunt her gun was three times bigger than that yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would not work that would Nicole not. Wallace said that her five year old has um, water pistols that are bigger than yeah that. water pistols pretty good yeah yeah I told you one time my great aunt she ran a gas station until she was ninety I said I said Aunt Essie did you ever fe- did we ever feud back in the day and she looked around got real quiet again another one of those things my parents are not around <laughs> <laughs> do we ever feud <laughs> this is my child she goes. We did a little, and <laughs> she smiled, and we always won. <laughs> so, so if any of you out there, if any of my ancestors shot any of your ancestors, I apologize. Bill completely apologizes. I apologize, right. yeah. unless they deserved it. Well, that's not. For it me. was it was so great on the on the John Oliver a couple weeks ago. They talked about the Confederacy and slavery and Anderson Cooper. He actually had you know he's all these he, he was they were talking about this show Henry Louis Gates does where they go through this celebrity's genealogy. And Anderson Cooper, like, were you surprised your great grandpappy, you know, owned slaves? Oh, so, and actually he was killed by, um, a slave who took a hoe, like a farming hoe, and put it through his, his head. And Anderson Cooper's like, oh. and, 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 you know, he's, he's aghast. And, and Skip Gates says, do you think he deserved it? And Cooper goes, probably. And Oliver goes, just now for posterity, behave in a way that your descendants won't say, guess Pappy deserved it. <laughs> he was hit in the face and killed with a farm tool. <laughs> well, I, uh, 
Uh, a good friend of mine is uh, Gail Whitaker, and her, her brother is Bill Whitaker on CBS. And uh, she decided she was going to trace her ancestry. So she went back and she found the descendant of the Whitakers that owned her family in North Carolina. And she walked in and she goes, we're probably cousins. Your ancestors own my ancestors. And there was a, there was a little bit yeah, of... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and she goes, and this, you know, she goes, this uh, North Carolina, you know, attorney, uh, she said, he even got whiter than he was when he started out when I said that. <laughs> so there we go. So Friday night, we have we have a loose plan. We have several things we, we're probably going to touch on just in today's, just in the week's events. But also... If you have questions, will we field questions from Facebook? Sure, we'll field questions. We'll field questions. So if anybody has questions that you'd like addressed, right. uh, we're willing to take them on the fly. No, nope. I was going to say it, it might not have our crack expert fine, but last a couple times recently we come in on the fly anyway. Yeah, right. So really, you might you'll get at least the general consistent quality. Yeah. Although I think I do, I'm not irritated, so I usually do my better work. Yeah, you do better work. Irritated. I'm a little irritated, but I'm not irritated. But so. so okay, let's we could get into the tax thing and talk about taxation in a minute because I think that's worthy of reflection. But right, but man, um, so we had uh, General Flynn. He flipped. He flipped. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. What's someone say? He's now on Team America. Exactly. Yeah, that guy's just, hopping on a perch, singing like a canary. Could I get a B flat? All right, here I go. Um, well, it's interesting too, though, because this is uh, an interesting. And in all honesty, right? Like I didn't know it, what the there there was going to be. I mean, like with with you know in relationship to Russia, like it, it could have been. I mean, it's obvious that the Russians have tried to influence us through Facebook and stuff. But this was a murky thing. And before this, well, what's murky about it? I mean, well, I mean, I'm saying before the Flynn thing, any like it looked amb- ambiguous as to whether or not we we're going to see things like collusion and, and, yeah. and absurd. Now, I mean, with Flynn, right? Like. The fact that the only charge he got was lying to the FBI, which means they're not—they're holding a few other things over yeah. his head. Yeah, yeah, and the more serious things, actually. Right, being an unregistered foreign agent is a pretty big deal. Yeah, particularly when you're talking about kidnapping. <laughs> when you're talking about kidnapping a citizen from another country who's asylum in this country. That's why I mean that's wild <laughs> know, that, that that's your. But what does your business do? Well, you know, we, uh, we we do lots of things, consulting. We can doing, relo- We can relocate people. <laughs> exactly. We also do kidnapping. Yeah. By the way, you know, I had I haven't posted yet, but I had Jennifer Bryan on Give and Take, and she's fantastic. But she said something about, I was about Betsy Diva, and this is when you reads the whole congressional rec- record. Mm. I was like, and Betsy Diva, just don't forget who his brother is. His brother's Eric. His brother's the one that runs Blackwater. Her, her brother. Her yeah. Brother, right. Brother, right. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to privatize the war in Afghanistan. He also has set up a secret meeting on, I think, in Mozambique or somewhere like that, uh, some island in the Atlantic, uh, with prior to Trump's election, with some folks. Yeah, I, I think the stuff that's really illegal is probably what's been done financially. Now, whether or not that ever comes out, or you know, whether that is part of what eventually will drive Donald Trump. But the the financial dealings with Russia and the fact that they own probably. You know, how much they've actually given him and, you know, the idea. I listened to a guy from who uh, worked for The Guardian just talking about how the KGB, he was the bureau chief in Russia. And he says, I know how the KGB worked because they were constantly trying to get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, basically, they've been, you know, they've been, you know, cultivating him and nurturing Donald Trump along for 30 years. Yeah, no, just watch the Americans. I mean, this is what they, you know, the spot. I was actually talking about something really, not, not a TV show. But the Americans is based on that. Uh, right, that is, that is based on yeah. that was like the, those were the people. I mean, it's, Russia had that program, and they would send people. I mean, yeah. they, would, 
they would spend their whole lives yep. learning how to be Americans and and come over here and work assets like that and blackmail and trust and you know and sometimes they even became like you know the senator from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say this. Okay, so I think that. By the way, Reynolds, I did see that church service. Uh, I saw something about the church service. Yeah, Reynolds from Alabama has pointed out that yeah. yes, if we saw that, and yeah, Roy. Yeah, it was very meaningful to me. Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus again, won't you? I don't want to see Roy in anything but that village person. <laughs> yeah, I do think, though, like this is a concern. I was wondering what happened to the cowboy village person. They became Roy Moore. I didn't realize right. that. <laughs> exactly. I do think, like, this is where you, you know, I think that, like, Liberals, many liberals are like have some sort of hope in impeachment, and I think that impeachment is a terrible thing, right? Like if if somebody is impeached, it the damn because we're not a parliamentary system, right? It's a different kind of thing, and and it is everybody's ever been impeached did not get convicted by the Senate. This is true. Yeah, neither Johnson or Clinton got con- got um, convicted by the Senate, and you know Nixon resigned before the process started. Yeah, I think Trumps have resigned instead of sitting through it. But I just think that that I mean, it is on one level, right? Many people of both parties, right, find Trump it, uh, less than likable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but I think also that when when we sort of like tend to root for hi Jason, happy extra. birthday, happy birthday, man. Uh, when people that was Jason Michelle, by the way, it's it's tough to like go back and forth between Facebook Live and pod and thinking that this is going to become an audio podcast because you think differently about it. You know what I mean, one does, I think. Well, I mean, I guess one of us does, right? There you go, one of us, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, I mean, I do think like it, it is this is one of the things that like a lot of people are going to be alienated no matter well, how I, this plays out. and Everybody's, we, we're already alienated. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it could be, you know, um, yeah, I think there could be a, bad things happen. Anyway, you know, the, the reality of it is, you know, Donald Trump could take food away from children and people, well, wait a minute, he, he he's doing that. All right, never mind. That's not a theoretical. And his base and the Republicans would still not do anything. I don't even think um, if it comes out <clears throat> that Trump told, um, you know, told Flynn to contact the Russians to talk about how we can work back and forth. Um, I don't think the, the House won't do anything. As long as the House is majority Republican, they're not going to do anything. I mean, unless they find out that he actually sold secrets to the Russians or that he has a Russian implant in his head or something like that. And, and even then, I don't think they, maybe that would help. We, if he has an implant in his head, we need to talk to Putin, see if you can adjust it a little bit. <laughs> But I, you know, I just don't think they're gonna. I don't think they have. They're not gonna do it. I mean, this has been a do nothing Congress with a few exceptions. They show no courage. Um, you know, our own congressman who did half decent when it came to health and ins- you know health insurance walked right in. You know, he's doing what he's being told to by the Republican leadership, and and the tax bill is not good for the majority of his constituencies. So constituents. So I don't know. You know, I'm not very optimistic that anything's going to happen. Except if they do nothing, and if people actually figure out what they just what's being done to them today, then a lot of them will be voted out of office next year. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what well, that's what our system does. We don't like you know if we uh, if we don't like the what the current regime. And I don't want to use the word regime; it's elected government. If we don't like what the current government's doing. Let's vote them out. But I'm not overly impressed with how informed the American electorate is right now. And even when have you ever been impressed with the information awareness of the American electorate? Hold on. I'm going I'm going through each election. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I just say, I think that, you know, on, on these issues, though, like, because there is a temptation. So John it, Quincy Adams. John, <laughs> the first election. It, <laughs> Reynolds says we'll never get rid of Trump or Roy Moore. It's very possible. It might be like... Um, like a, a could persistent be, could war. be Revelations thirteen. A persistent war. You just, <laughs> the beast, the, the beast gets shot, but he comes back alive. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that you know, if you're if you're sort of a red jersey team member and a cable news person on Fox, there's this in, initial just impulse to react. But there are defensively. People, but there are people in Fox who are being critical. No, there are. There are some. No, yeah, there, there, are are, there are some. Yeah, there is. And I think there are some people in some like MSNBC that try to be fair. Um, so you do have on both of the most polarized networks, you have people who are trying to be journalists. We've frequently talked about uh, Chris Wallace. Oh, Chris Wallace is, is... And who's the other guy who consistently is... There's another guy. I don't watch it, but there's another guy who's consistently being critical of the things that are to be critical about. Matter of fact, there was a guy from Breibart today, I heard, criticized Trump for releasing those uh, propaganda videos. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Too. No, but I, th- I just think that, that in, a, in the rush to either sort of defend or attack we often just forget to say you know this is this is sad no it, yeah it, it, it's sad that our public life is deteriorated at levels that are i mean leon panetta was on uh brett Baer's show tonight and he was just saying it's you know we i i believe in america and american exceptionalism but you know we, we might be in a real period of decline and we're just so dysfunctional well can i just say this? on many many levels can we kind of stop with the american exceptionalism a little bit i mean i mean again our ideals are exceptional and they've inspired everybody from bosnia to ho chi Minh to um revolutions in africa south america but there's, we have to remember Ho Chi Minh, uh, Sandista, so many times that even the, some of the people that have been inspired by our ideals, because for whatever ideology or for money, we end up undercutting them. So I think, again, I believe in our ideals, but that's, that's not pretend that, um, that we have we have messed up a lot. Oh, sure, part sure. Of the world. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I, mean, I think. I mean, I like Barack Obama, but I think that he, I just and Leon Patello is, you know, not Leon Patello is another great guy. I just think there's a lot of evidence contrary. I mean, again, I'm not saying I want to be anywhere else, and I want to make my country better, and I I care about my country, but I, I just maybe Montenegro if you had enough money. Well, you know, I did on on a. Um, on on resident exile discussion group, I if I said at the resident exile we were going to go colonize somewhere else if, if democracy and Montenegro. Here. Well, Montenegro wasn't set up. I did. I offered New Jersey as an option. Yeah, I like New Jersey, but Costa Rica, no one voted for New Jersey. Do you know the top ten broadband speeds? The United States is never in, and like Latvia is number seven. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. And again, now with this new tax bill, we will have a lot of money to. To, to increase to build up the infrastructure. Forty three percent of rural Californians do not have broad, high speed broadband access. Yeah. Now that's so they have like DSL or something, you know, which mm-hmm. that's the biggest state in the union, and a lot of it's rural. Like when you think about California, despite how populous it is, it's very large no, too. No. So almost half the people. Yeah. In in. Most of the geography, I'd guess, you know, right. like square footage wise. So that means like if you're trying to start a church, start a business. If you're trying to help your kids do their homework, if you're trying, you're just if you're, trying, if you're trying to gather a survivalist together in North, Northern California. If you're trying to get a bunker, if, if you've heard this podcast, although it takes like forever to hear it because you stream so slow, but you too wanted your own bunker. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? These little things that like are part of the social covenant. And yeah. I feel like we don't think of it that way. Like right now. I mean, this happened with electricity. I mean, by, the, yeah. by when they had to make it a utility because it was just the electric companies wouldn't. 
it was just so disparate, like right. the coverage. So yeah, no, I, no, trust me, I, I, uh, um, I, I, I lived in areas where that was the case. Okay, so let me ask you about taxes. All this right. is a real Friday night politics show. It is. It is. Well, like, well kinda... there's no Bill Maher right now for the next yeah so. month and a, six weeks. So. We can just do that. I did. Uh, by the way, I did like what Roy Moore said to uh, uh, which guy on the on one of the late night talk guys. Come down here and come down here to Alabama, and we'll show you Christian values as a threat. <laughs> I could I could see Jesus saying, "Hey, on the Sermon on Mount, you come down here, and I'll show you what it means to forgive your enemy." We have two Alabamans right now, Ellis and Reynolds. Yeah, are uh, both are, are both so. So, if you guys could tell us anything about what is that mall. That Roy's banned from, and any local, you can be our on-scene embedded reporters. Yeah, where's Leonard Skinner when you need them? Exactly. Yep. So I mean, I think so. We're thinking about taxes right now, and Trump said at the rally, "This won't help me." I mean, oh, oh it's a, and my rich friends, they don't like me right now. My rich friends don't like me very much, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, but it also says that you know John Rawls talks about like the invisible. The, the invisible veil, like, um, you know, government philosopher and theorists from Harvard said basically like when you do public policy, you should imagine that there's this invi- the veil of invisibility and you don't know how you're going to be affected by it. Right. So you don't know if you're rural or urban, if you're coastal or the middle of the country, if you're in the bottom 10 percent right. or the top one uh, percent. And then how would you do tax policy? Or any, or any appropriations. If you didn't know, if you had the veil, it's not called. It's called the veil of ignorance. Sorry, the veil of ignorance. Now, my, you know, well, why? But why do we even talk? See, this only makes me sad because even as we speak, lobbyists were behind the scenes, filling, working on the tax compromise. <laughs> right. The, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they even showed uh, Senator Casey showed showed what they were doing. I mean, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, this is this is for. I mean, Republicans maybe say this is we have to give something to our donor base. And I mean the rich, rich, rich donor base who owns half of them, including Pence. And this is what this is. And with the veil of ignorance, so don't get me wrong too. I mean, the veil of ignorance argument could give way to getting rid of the, of the mortgage deduction. I mean, because Canada doesn't have a mortgage deduction. Sure. No, there, there's there, some, there, there, there yeah. needs to be reform. There needs to be reform. You know, you can even um, – we benefit from the clergy deduction. That may not be fair. Now, the, impl- the, rep- the implications and the repercussions of that are going to be devastating. If I don't, I, is it in or is it out in this in the Senate bill? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know there was a state that was challenged in court in Michigan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, as clergy, we get we don't pay taxes on our on our housing allowance. And if you own a house, you get a, you get kind of a double dip for doing that. You can take up to fifty percent of your income, right? And, and mm-hmm. anything like toilet paper, light bulbs, anything right. related to housing. Well, anybody you could do that, but you have to have, you have to have. But you can do that if you're like a you can kind of do the similar right. thing as a small business person. Yeah, right. I actually do do that for the for for the bunker, something like that. But the, but the issue is okay. Yeah, the bunker, by the way, is a losing business. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is a it is a losing tax. Now in the recording, that's when we'll do the patronon. Right here, we'll do the commercial there. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? 
or more. It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David and Winner Nababico, Michael Butera, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan and Danny Morseberger, Josh Redder, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Jonathan Butrin, Ben DeHart, Charlotte Donlin, Stephen Rowe, Andrew Stravitz, Jim Cress, and Liam O'Brien. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. Uh, by the way, I, I think I need I, – it's my turn to do the commercial. I, I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah. So again, there needs to be tax reform. I, you know, I mean, this tells you how stupid I was. You know, I remember you know, 30 years ago, I said, all right, listen, I have 10 years of postgraduate education. Not quite 10 years ago, but 30 years ago. There's no reason. I should be able to figure – I'll read the books. I should be able to, to figure out my own taxes. That was so stupid of me because I made such a mess of things. And But – yeah. I, I have a friend who she's the head of the department. At, it's like in the Comcast building downtown. It's like the big accounting firm in uh-huh. Philly, and she runs the the hi- highest end people that file as individuals. So maybe they're an entrepreneur or something, but they still file as individuals. Right. And she's like, the hardest thing is when you have to tell them write the check. Why do I have to write a two million dollar check? I hire you. You have to write, write the, the check. check. <laughs> she's like, you know, no, but they, that's because you're worth, you know. A hundred million. Yeah, right. They, but you know, it is interesting because I think you think about like the parables of Jesus and the distribution of resources and the person that uh, te- you're, you're just going to make us more depressed. <laughs> start talking about Jesus right now. No, I mean, you like on, on some level, like mix John Rawls with a little bit of Jesus, the veil of ignorance, right. and also the sort of nature of grace. Like we're, you know, one of the things that Obama said that, that of course they excerpted it, it, it terribly in that 2012 election. He said, if you're a, sm- a small business owner, you did, and what he said was take for instance the bridge or the road or the ele- or, or the power that can- you didn't build that and they cut it out and said if you had a small business you didn't build that really what you're saying is even if you're a successful business owner the infrastructure that allows you to do business you didn't build and also you know if you i mean let's say you're really good at algorithms and things like that and and, and you can make tons of money in hedge funds like how good have that been if you're in a hunter-gatherer society or another kind of society? Have, like th- that, so much of our successes are related to things that were we happen to be in the right place. Even with hard work, the hard work wouldn't have been possible right. without the right place, you know, right time. Right. And so I just I wish like that would be more of the yeah I spirit mean, of, of as we think about how we because I mean what government can do. There's lots of things government can't do. Yeah. What it's good at doing. Is collecting money and writing checks. That's one of the things it can do. Yeah, and it's supposed to. It's supposed to protect the common good. Right. Yeah. You know. Again, I think. Uh, I mean, again, we've talked about this before. The, the spirit of the initial spirit of, of capitalism was extremely different than what it is. Now. Oh yeah, Adam Smith. No, yeah. I mean, it did our, very it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be good for us to return to a good old fashioned Calvinism or ca- well, capitalism. Capitalism. Calvinism. Calvin. Bill I, likes anything. A good, find a sentence. It would be good for us to return to a good old fashioned dot 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 for Bill. <laughs> I mean, there's few things that couldn't be. Yeah. Now I don't want to go back to the Inquisition. <laughs>
I don't want to do that. The Inquisition. I, I don't want. What I, a show! <laughs> I don't want to do a crusade. Uh, I'm just. I'm just. Uh, I am. I am interested in going to share with Forrest with my married men. I, that, I'm kind of <laughs> up for that. But other than that, men in tights. But it is interesting though because I do think like tax policy. Like, like it's interesting. Like the argument. Like for and this is like very popular in, in lots of sector in certain sectors of the country. Like the flat tax. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fair, right? Like if we just tax everybody at the same rate. But the problem is, like, if you're somebody that's making, let's say, the poverty line in some place like Bucks County for the family of four is some, something like thirty or forty thousand dollars, right? <laughs> Which is absurd, right? So, because you couldn't live on that, but anyway. right? But but let's say it's that, and then the person making forty thousand or forty one thousand, just over the poverty line, you tax them ten percent. Forty one hundred dollars drops them to the poverty line. Poverty line. If yep. you if you're making four million and you tax them ten percent, their discretionary income is still so high. Like, yeah. like you know, like and, and let's just say like what it takes, or let's just say it takes forty thousand. Well, I guess that's the poverty line to get buy sneakers, food, everything. That person can no, that family afford it at forty thousand, forty one thousand can no longer buy the minimal yeah sustenance things. The person at four million. Their ability to get those things and to get the highest end of those things is not significantly impacted. Yeah, the the, high, the hardest working, most creative people I know are the working poor. Yeah, and because they're they're having to. I mean, I'm thinking about my friends, particularly the folks I worked with in New Chester. I mean, they're all working three jobs and they're barely getting by, and they work harder than um, as most professional folks I know, or they work as hard as any professional person I know. And if a person works hard, they should be able to. Um, they should be able to have the decent things they need for their family, but. You know, ironically, you, you and I are I mean, socialist. Uh, yeah, I am. But um, <laughs> but uh, any rate, um, one of the things that <clears throat> is ironic, because there's a certain it doesn't come out much on this show. But for a certain part of our career, we were pretty strong critics of certain trends within liberal theology. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting what what has really um, what has turned what has made it. America, the nail in the coffin for us being a post-Christian country, are the policies of conservative people. In the name of going back to make America great or going back to original values, they are acting in ways that um, that pagan Rome would be proud of. Yeah. Now, and you think about, like, by the way, a Republican listener from Alabama just said, love you guys. The Republicans are anti-American. I that's a little strong. I wouldn't want to say they're all, but uh, Bill, you might not think it's <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, I vote for Republicans. If I voted for Republicans at times, no, I think this is um, this is this is bad. What's being done? It's bad for the country. But you think about Eisenhower, right? Who was a Republican as well as yeah. I can recall? Won World War II. Help, you know, win World War II. Our top tax rate was the the, the, the highest margin rate was ninety or eight hundred ninety percent, and we built the interstate highway system and had the GI Bill and GI Bill. and created built all kinds of public schools, all uh, kinds yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah, and we had. I mean, in, it's funny because. You don't often have middle classes in world history. A little bit around the plague, right? Because of workers. Well, before work, the, you were, it was happened with the urbanization, urbanization right. created, and then certain population dis, dislocated. Like the middle class had some. There was a class of workers that had the some burger, power. The burgers, burger class, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, often it's hard to create a middle class. Like it, it just, it's, it's not. It doesn't always happen. It's because it's not a natural phenomena in terms of 
the way power, you know, might is right. In other words, power tends to acquire power, money tends to acquire money. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a sense where a middle class, I mean, societies and civilizations tend to thrive when you have that going on. I mean, I think we mentioned the other day that, you know, here I stand, the only really progressive century uh, in the West 13th. was 13th century. That podcast has not been put out yet, by the way, to put that out. I, I'll put out two tonight. All right, well, it's still true. It's still true. <laughs> but uh, but that partially was, it's you know, it's, it's anachronistic to call it a middle class, but it, but it functioned as the feudal right. system was breaking down. And so with urbanization, people were no longer under the control. And, and coupled with that, it, 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 um, economic boom was the boom of the university. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, one could argue that this tax plan is anti-education, higher education, with what it does in some of the terms of Tax breaks well, for grad students. I think this endowments country, and such. I think this country though is getting that. Yeah, it's funny because I had Jocelyn Alcott's feminist historian, feminist historian, on the podcast this week, which also is, I'm backed up. I get it released that too, but like, but she was in France for sabbatical year, and she normally is at um, UNC, I think, or, um, but or Duke. Uh, but she basically said that you know she goes to this pub for a. Uh, there's three public intellectuals, like professors, types and public intellectual mm -hmm. figures, they're going to talk about French labor laws and policy. She said the thing was packed with their efforts. And a lot of these people coming from blue and pink collar mm -hmm. jobs are really dialed in. Like, I mean, I mean you just imagine we said, hey, we're going to have uh, three public intellectuals sit down and talk about American tax policy. Nobody would go. I mean, like, and the fact that they were professors or something, that would be for many people a strike against them. I mean, right. there's an anti-intellectualism yeah, no. As we we like reality TV, and we like uh, we. It's a dumbed down thing, and um, you know it's. And you know, there's always been a kind of an anti-authoritarian, anti-intellectual dimension to American society. That's there's a little bit. It's it's ironic. The people who formed this country were some of the most brilliant people we've ever had on the continent. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but, yeah. But the spirit of it is, uh, even the myth of it is kind of an anti-intellectual. And and Christianity in this country has been always anti-authoritarian, anti-intellectual. And boy, we're doing that very well as well. We've got that down. We got that down in the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, full of hope on a Friday night. By the way, Jason Michelli's son, I think, asked, what is our favorite sport? Uh, I probably, number one, watch professional football. Number two, uh, professional basketball. But just to go watch, I love lacrosse. I love watching a good lacrosse game. And I love uh, international soccer. I've always had a soft spot for roller derby. <laughs> you see, he's not. What's Jason's son's name? Uh, I don't know which son this was. Jason, which son asked this? Uh, you just gave yourself a thumbs up. How did I do that? Well, because oh. you, it's a good self-image. We're going to talk about that in the future, having proper self-image. Oh, wow. I did it again. Oh, well, you really like what you're doing. No. Oh, look at that. That's really cool. <laughs> anyway. I'm just giving myself indiscriminate likes. Yeah. No, uh, <clears throat> I like golf, too. It's, yeah, to, yeah to you're play, a good golfer. Yeah. To play is golf. Oh, uh, you gave yourself a heart. Yeah, I know. I, I found it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Uh, although, you know, I'll tell you're you. Not really, you're not a sports But guy. what brought me back to professional football a little bit was that field goal. Oh, Gabriel. That was Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, don't. I mean, Scott is a fine golfer. That field goal, though, a couple weeks ago, was it 62? What, the Philly, the yeah. Eagles guy? Yeah. Eagles are fun. Man, Eagles are. I'm a Steeler fan, but the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. I mean, that field goal. Lindy and I were at the Irish right, can, can you just kind of, kind of time? A field goal has brought you back to football. 60-some yarder. Gabriel, just don't ask him these questions. A 60-some yarder. No, it's very, it was a great field goal, but 
I mean, the athleticism and just oh, like... Okay, wait a minute. You're saying the athleticism of a kicker. Well, because you have to... <laughs> okay. All in one second, you have to... And, and it, the strength and no, accuracy... No, it's, it's an impressive thing to do, but that's usually not what football purists talk about when they talk about athleticism of the game. I think kickers are incredible. Punting is the worst job, though, because you could make, like the you could you could have the best punt, right? And nobody will still remember a talk about it. Like, it's so, like... You know, because basically, if you get a good punt on third down or fourth down, it, 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 <laughs> if you get a good punt on third down, third down, down you've done something you're terribly you're, wrong. Well, you get a bad coach. Good punt, bad coach. And on fourth down, you get a good punt, right? But people are just kind of. Ex- Gabriel, you're sorry you asked, aren't people you? People right are now? expecting a decent punt, right? They're expecting, like, the, the measure, the emotional connection to success for a punter. And like it, it's a, but for a kick for a field goal can, can kicker, I just say, for a field goal kicker, minute, this may be the first time in America everyone said about everyone spoke of in a sentence the emotional success of a punt. No, the emotional gratification from a great punt is is minimal. Like it's, it's just because you're hoping the team, you, you, but the emotional gratification for a, a field goal at the right time because it can be a game changer. Like now, for an average, if you field, if you pin if you hit a punt and you pin them within the ten yard line. That's that's emotionally gratifying. Yeah, but the, the, but it's not the same kind of thing as if you kick a field well, goal. Well, a game winning a game winning thing. Right. I but, can't believe but we're the talking pu- about But the kicking. punter but the punter is never going to be no one is there. Our that, first that real punt, our first punt. real football conversation we're talking about freaking punters. Let's just let's just say that punt is is strategic is is instrumental at the end of the game for the win because of the other team's field position or it stops them from right. advance. Nobody talks about the punter. Nobody talks about the, the coach will. And the team the coach will. The yeah. team might. The, the, I'll tell you, you're not going to... That kicker, that field goal, his dating life changed, if he was not married, a lot more than any punter's life ever changed. Just saying. Okay, we don't really have any field research on that, but if any of you have done research on it, please send it. That's care, indisputable. Care it's indisputable. Scott, care Scott, it's indisputable. Scott on kicking here no, at no, Resident that, that, uh, In all fairness, of worlds. neither the punter or the kicker are really have the best sort of dating life right exactly yeah. that's why you stay with but, soccer of the two i mean i just think that yeah no if you're if you're if you're a great soccer player your life is very very good but then also the downside of being a kicker is the scott norwood factor right where you you miss a couple big ones that's the thing the risk reward i mean if if you screw up a punt people still don't really remember you as the punter no if you miss the game winning yeah you yeah miss if you miss big ones people uh, scott norwood you know like all right there we go Football Live here at New Persuasion. You like World. that? You like that? I've thought about this a lot, actually. No, well, I don't really. The fact that we finally talk about football and we're talking about it. Yeah, but I thought, I've thought about it but a no, lot. No, it's obviously that you have, all right? I, I, you know. Well, uh, <laughs> there we go. Tomorrow's a big day in college football, speaking of football. So, at any rate, enjoy your weekend. And also, college football will uh, hopefully, with the new tax plan, we'll still have things like still have college We'll football. still have colleges, hopefully. And, and then also uh, Advent 1. So Advent 1. We so have been come fa- Lord Jesus. We've been for- fairly negative tonight, but um, our hope, my hope is built on nothing less than Schofield's notes and scripture books. <laughs> no, not true. Now, my hope is, uh, my hope is solid, and I, um, I don't go to bed tonight without that. So, no. God bless all of you. Whether your hope is subsidized or not anymore, you can write no, it No, I think I'm, still <laughs> my hope is there. no longer tax break. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, that's a more expensive hope. It's a sober, it's a sober hope. hope. Yeah. All right. Take care, everybody.